Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is from our 2022 Easter celebration, entitled Divine Exchange. Coming out of 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21, the gospel message is clear. Be reconciled to God. The Father made Jesus to be sin for us, the one who did not know sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you are uh, using one of the pew Bibles uh, behind, in, in, the, in the pew in front of you, you'll find this reading on page 1025, 1025. And if you don't have a Bible at home, problem solved, because that Bible is your, our gift to you. That's what it's there for. You take it with you, and, and, and we hope that you will uh, use that at home and be blessed as you read God's Word. But we're going to read together now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bill. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I, um, all kinds of familiar faces. I've seen many of you. Uh, time and time again, Miss Judy, good to see you. Um, and of course, my mom. So it's kind of a role reversal a little bit. My mom is with us this morning all the way from almost Williamsburg. And uh, almost Williamsburg. It's called Lenexa, but you won't know where that's at. Um, and I remember growing up, I sat in pews very similar to this. And my mom would be up here playing piano with my uncles, and they all played together and led worship together. She used to sing a song um, in that city where the lamb is the light. What was that song called? What was that? That That was the name of it. (laughs) All right. She always had this epic, she, she would stop playing the piano, and she would almost whisper, in that city where the lamb, it's the line. I was like, go, mom. You get it every time. Um, this morning, I get the, the great privilege of telling you about the gospel. Um, and the way I want to start going about that uh, is with a question. Okay, okay, let, let, me, let me let you off the hook. Some of y'all are nervous. So some of y'all have been, hey, good to see you. 
Did you bring Miss Georgia with you? She is here. I met her yesterday at, um, at the uh, Easter egg hunt. And if you missed yesterday, it was a blast. It was a good time. Um, I, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever started a sentence with, if only? Anybody in the room? If only. If only. You ever ask? Most of the time, it's around opportunities, right? So an opportunity presents itself, and, and, and you make one decision or another, and maybe the decision was wrong or not the one you should have made, and you'll say, man, if I had only, have you ever started a sentence that way? Maybe it was around a job. Um, maybe, uh, I wish I had arrived earlier somewhere. I'm sure some of you say that a lot. Um, Based on what time you showed up today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. get here on time. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was way too aggressive. You can come whenever, come, come when you can. Come, come, come whenever. I'm just glad you're here. Um, now for me, I say if only oftentimes because I get distracted while I'm driving. Anybody else? I get distracted when I'm driving. And uh, I'll be, most of the time it's because I'm on the phone. And I'm going somewhere, and I'm supposed to get off at an exit. You know where I'm going with this? I missed the exit, and they're like, next exit, 725 miles. <laughs> that was my gas stop exit. That was my gas stop exit. I needed to get off there. Um, I say that a lot. I say that a lot. With my, I have kids. I have three kids, seven, two. She's one. No, she's two. Yeah, McKinley's two. <laughs> hey, look, it's been a, I've been up a really long time, so there's, there's no telling what you're getting this morning. No telling. Um, I'll say, if only I hadn't given her that candy so late at night. If, if only I had not given, like, left the markers laying out. Have you ever said that? Or the chalk? Um, I tell you when I say it a lot, and I bet I'm going to hit every single one of you with this one. I get in an argument with somebody, and then after the argument, I think of three things that I should have said in that argument that would have put them right there where I wanted them. Oh, if I had only. Yeah. Me and my wife, we don't argue. We, don't, we never argue. We have robust dialogue, <laughs> and um, sometimes she's smarter than I am. I'll admit that. Amen. Hey, <laughs> hey, we're having an altar call here in a minute. You, you just wait your turn. <laughs> and, and we'll finish having our robust discussion, and I'll say, man, if I had only said this, I would have gotten it then. Uh, it, it takes me a long time to get those really good ones, you know? It takes me a good while. But most of us this morning, um, we end up saying, if I had only not said something, or if I had only said something, a lot of times we say that when something catastrophic has happened. 
a lot of folks get a, a bad uh, report from the doctor and they'll say, man, if I, pastor, if I'd only done this, this, and this, or, um, you know, if I just set the phone down, or pastor, if I, if I had, it, most of the time it's with regret that we say that. And almost, I would say nine out of 10 times, when we say, if I had only, it, it involves a conversation or another person. It involves a relationship. It involves an engagement with a spouse, with a loved one. I see it, I see it often on the, on the deathbed. I, I wish I had spent more time with someone. Wish I had said I love you more often. All of our stories today are filled with if onlys. Yours too. If we could just go back and change something and reverse how it all went down, right? We all have those, every one of you. Many of us today are in that boat. Now, the, now let me just see. There's, there's many people in the room today. So there are regulars. There are those people that are here faithful every week. Um, you, you do church. And, and maybe if it's not this church, it's another church. You, you, you go to church regularly. And then I have my Easter Christmas folks. Welcome back. <laughs> um, and look, I'm, I'm not ju- no judgment here. You're not going to get any judgment from this preacher. I'm just glad you show up twice a year. Um, and it's good to see you. It's good to see your face. We have those folks here. And then we probably have some folks in here today who, this might be your first time in church, uh, in the house and even online today. You might be visiting us for the first time online. There, there are people who have come in today and your life is completely jacked up. I mean a mess. And then there are some of you, everything's going just fine. You're watching online today, you're here in the house, and you're, everything's okay, pastor. And this is my fear. This is my fear. For those who your life is a mess, it's going to be very easy for you to see a trajectory to Christ, because you need some things figured out and fixed. You know what my biggest fear today, and honestly, Easter in the U.S., is that there are a ton of people that you'll come to church today. And you'll say your life is good and you don't need God. My prayer is that you leave here today realizing you need God and you took him at his offer. So uh, the dilemma is, this is the dilemma. There is nothing you can change about yesterday. There's nothing you can change about yesterday and the weight of that can be crushing. Would you agree? Cards on the table. Cards on the table. I want you to embrace Christ today. I'm going to make an ask at the end of this service, and I'm going to plead with you for the next 20 minutes to choose Christ, to choose him over everything else this world has to offer. That cards on, I'm not a used car salesman. I'm not a used car salesman. I'm not going to be up here kind of pitching you something. I am a convinced recipient of something that changed my life. 
I'm different than I used to be. I'm different than I was yesterday. This is the transformative power that, that resides in me through the Holy Spirit because of what happened and what we celebrate on Easter. And it's yours. It's a free gift. Our Hispanic pastor uh, just said this morning, it is a free gift to you. I'm not going to ask you to give any money. I'm not going to require anything of you because Christ requires nothing of you. The cross was enough, and that's what I intend to, to, to get across to you. The text today declares this. Um, and the reason I do all of this, actually, we see in the text. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's my plea. I, that's it. You've, you've heard the whole message. I've got a couple other things I'm going to say, but I, I don't want there to be any question mark about what I'm talking about. Your relationship with God, you should leave here today with no if onlys. Hey, you should leave here today. If you, if you, this is your first time in church, I do not want to see you at the grocery store later on this week and you say, man, if only I just responded to what I felt the Holy Spirit doing in my heart on Sunday, you should leave here with no if onlys. And I'm not just talking about people who need Christ. Wait, I am. That's all of you. That's not just saved folks. That's, uh, that's, that's unsaved folks, saved folks, people who are a wreck. And if you've got $2 million sitting in your bank account and you think you have no family issues, you are still in need of God. Today. Today. Verse 17 um, said, therefore, if anyone in Christ, he's a, a new creation, old is past, see the new has come. And it says in verse 18 and 19, it's, it's a word, it's called reconciling. You ever heard the word reconciling? Yeah? You know what it means? To restore relationship. That's what reconcile means. It means to restore relationship. You know why a, relationship's need, a relationship would need restoring? Something broke it. And so that's where we're going to start today. All of us share a, a similar issue. Um, and it's not just the if onlys. It's a sin issue. Um, to restore means something happened. And so we're going to go back and we're gonna, I'm going to take you to a garden. Um, we sang graves into gardens this morning. You remember that? And wasn't the worship so good this morning? Ooh, I'm still kind of sitting in it. Um, and what I want, to, I want you to see is that your story, okay, poke yourself in the chest. Your story is a part of a bigger story. And you see it in Genesis chapter um, one, two, and three. So, so let's go back to basics. The world was not created the way we see it right now, okay? It was created perfect, full of life. Uh, the Bible would call it shalom. There was peace. There was a rhythm. Everything was just awesome. 
There was care. In fact, um, at the beginning, after God had created everything, the Bible tells us in Genesis that at the cool of the day, the God of all creation would come down and walk with Adam and Eve. Um, Things weren't complicated. Things weren't hard. Can you imagine a world like that? Can you imagine a world where relationships weren't hard and complicated? Where jobs, where working wasn't hard and complicated? You realize that before sin, working was easy. Now, I cut grass, and I love it. Uh, People don't tend to bother you when you have mower blades running. (laughs) And if they do, you just give it a good jolt towards them, and they... It's hard work, though. It's not nearly as hard as pastoring. I'll tell you, people are hard. Yeah, yeah, y'all are a big headache, I'll tell you. Um, Stick to the notes, Carl, stick to the notes. I'm just kidding. I I, I wouldn't spend my life doing anything else but speaking the word of God into you each week. I wouldn't spend my life doing anything else than showing up at the hospital or coming to your house for dinner. I wouldn't do anything else other than cut grass. (laughs) That perfection, that that perfect world, that daydream, right, almost, was obliterated by sin. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam and Eve do what you and I still do today. They chose themselves over God. This is something you, and and this isn't just for adults. So um, sin affects all ages, bottom to top. I've got kids for folks that are like, oh, you know, kids, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're great. Yeah, they are, but they are also like hell on wheels, um, You can go right back to my pastor's office right now and you will see marker and chalk. Uh, You will see all kinds of things. My daughter just loves to do anything that causes a ruckus. (laughs) And she'll do all of it and then she'll smile at you with them sweet eyes and I'm like, it's all right. It's okay. But I see it often in kids. So, so in kids, we'll call it out, right? In kids, we'll be like, hey, you're being selfish. You're just thinking about your own desires. But then when we, we give ourselves as adults a break, when we're selfish towards each other, when we choose our own desires, that's still your problem today. And that doesn't care where you live. That doesn't care what size house you live in or how great your family looks. You will Without the Holy Spirit, you will absolutely choose your own desires over God every time. You know it's true. You look around, you see it. We choose ourselves over God. Your default is that way. And so what's the result? The result of this brokenness, the result of this perfection being obliterated were three things. 
Corruption was the first one. All the things that were made to be perfect are now corrupted by sin and brokenness. When you, uh, so working used to be easy, now it's hard. Uh, there was a time when laboring children, any moms in the room? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all, some of y'all are fresh off it, so you remember. You're like, um, that used to be easy. And the word declared, hey, Adam, guess what? All the things I've called you to do are now going to be hard for you to do. Husbands, any men in the room? Listen, it's going to be hard to do the things, to, to shepherd your home well. It's going to be hard to raise your kids well. Those things are hard now because of sin. The sinfulness in you, the brokenness in the world, the sinfulness in your own kids. It's hard. It said, wives and husbands are always going to go at it. So if you're here in your marriage, you don't have to come here and pretend. This is the one beautiful thing I love about our church. You don't have to be pretend like everything's cool. Because I'm going to stand up here and tell you, it's not cool here. I'm still walking through this sinful world with you. Husbands and wives are going to go at it. Men and women are going to have issues with each other constantly. Corruption. What was now pure is tainted. Heard a story one time about a batch of brownies. Uh, you didn't know I was going there, did you? <laughs> I saw it on your face. Um, and uh, this old man uh, made this batch of brownies, uh, but uh, his grandson started eating these brownies. He said, "Man, these are these are these are terrible." And the old man said, well, I just picked up after the dog right before I made him. I might have forgot to wash my hands. But it's only a little bit. You've never heard this story? I'm shocked. <laughs> you, don't, you didn't want to hear it to begin with, did you? No, you didn't. Um, this old man, just that... Whatever little bit, he didn't have to hand the guy, you know, a fistful of whatever he had just picked up. Um, just a little bit taints the whole bunch. Um, this is this is true about bad attitudes too. Um, anybody who's ever lived in a household, one bad attitude makes everything else get real complicated, right? That's true. Things that everything was corrupted now. Everything went from being whole to now is broken. And when you look at the world around you, you know this is true. You know this is true. Except you would assign it to different things. You wouldn't assign it to sin. But we live in a broken world because of sin. Your marriage is hard because of sin. You're raising your kids is hard because of sin. You, relationships are hard because of sin. You can point fingers at whoever you want to point at. I'm telling you the issue isn't, it, it is sin. It's just sin, plain and simple. So corruption was the first thing, and then alienation. One of the results of sin uh, was that here they were in this beautiful garden, right? The Garden of Eden, you've heard about it, this perfect place. They got kicked out of it. 
And that would begin our alienation from God. Alienated. Have, when I say that word, alienated, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt alienated? I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that there are more people in this room and online who have ever felt alienated from church um, than anywhere else. Um, some people feel alienated in their own homes. Um, this broken relationships and being alienated from God started here. Separated from God. And then the third thing was condemnation. We went from life in community with God to being alienated, corrupted, and condemned to die. He said, you're, to the dust, you're going to return. A garden that was designed to be life to the fullest was turned into a grave. Death, corruption, alienation, condemnation. The feeling we all have in here today that things shouldn't be this hard is a very real feeling. Hear this preacher today, don't be confused. The word is clear. The feeling we all have is real. It is supposed to be different. It was not designed to be this hard. It wasn't this, the world wasn't designed to work this way. The evil we see, the tendency we have in our own relationships to push people away, it's not meant to be that way. And the judgment with which we look at other people, it wasn't ever designed to work like that. That is a result of sin, and it is, it is a disease that we all suffer. Promise was made that a Savior would come and restore all things. Hundreds of years went by. Generations Generations went by. And so I want, I want to take you from the garden. I want to take you right from that garden where everything was perfect and then became destroyed by sinfulness, by us choosing us over God. And that garden that turned into a grave. Now I want to take us to a graveside service. Anybody ever been to a graveside service? Yeah. This particular grave um, was in a garden as well. Um, the Bible tells us in John that this, uh, when Jesus died on the cross, okay, so Jesus came, he was born, he lived a perfect, sinless life, and then he headed to the cross to pay a debt. Now, uh, the Roman government just thought they were putting out a, a, a social problem. The Jews thought they were killing some heresy, um, but what in fact he was doing is he was paying a debt for people um, that owed more than they could pay. You owed a debt, and he died on a cross for your debt, your sinfulness. 
And um, this particular grave, um, they, they took him off of the cross and they said there was a garden nearby with a grave that had not been um, used yet. It's a brand new grave. It had just been made. And this is in John 20. And Mary Magdalene shows up. We actually talked about this at our sunrise service this morning. This lady shows up. Jesus had cast some demons out of her. Um, and so she had just this really special bond. He, she followed the Lord. She helped finance his ministry, um, was a disciple. Um, and she watched Jesus die. Watching someone die, uh, there's, there's nothing really that can describe that process. Uh, to watch life leave someone's body. Um, I've, I've been in the room a couple times when someone has gone from this life to the next. Um, and I just can't really put words to it. Many of you in the room have been in that place. But she watched him die. Watched life leave his body. He gave up his spirit. He said, it's finished on the cross, they put him in the tomb. Mary Magdalene shows up at the grave. And I'm sure she was filled with her, her, her own if-onlys, right? If only things, Peter had better, been a better swordsman, you know? I don't know if you've ever heard that story, but they went to pick Jesus up. Peter was like, I'm gonna take on this whole Roman army and he pulls out his sword, takes off a dude's ear. Terrible aim. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> Surely that wasn't the intent to take the guy's ear. Maybe it was. Maybe Peter's just cruel like that. But um, Mary Magdalene shows up. If only, if only. If only we had been able to protect him or if only he would have left town or because they thought for sure this guy was going to be king. He was going to overthrow the Roman government. Lots of if onlys. Uh, she shows up and there's two angels. The, the stone had been rolled away from this tomb. So uh, if you don't know what a tomb, maybe I should explain because uh, today we dig a six foot hole in the ground. We put you in a pretty box and we sink you down in it. Most, most folks opt for cremation um, currently, and a lot of it has to do with finances. It is too expensive to bury someone. Um, it is absolutely absurd how much it costs. And um, so that's not what we're talking about. They would take a dead body uh, if you had money. If you had money, you would carve out a stone, a big rock, uh, they would make a bed inside of it and they would lay the body there and they would roll a stone in front of this opening. Um, the, the, the Jewish folks were concerned, the Jewish leaders at the time were concerned somebody would come take his body. So they put, a, they, they put a Roman seal over top of it, make sure nobody took the body. Mary Magdalene shows up. The stone's rolled away. There's two angels standing on either side. And this 
tomb was not as she thought she would find it. She thought somebody had taken his body. She got startled and turned around because uh, someone else was there. She thought it was a gardener of some sort because this tomb is sitting in a garden. And um, she explains what's going on. Hey, if you've taken his body, let me know where you put him. I bet it sounded just like that. I bet it did. Um, boy, wouldn't have that been epic? I thought he was coming through the roof. I was ready to go. And look, I, I would have made one last plea as he takes me up. I would have said, come with me. Choose Christ today. I would have done it. That's been my biggest fear, you know? Uh, the way they portray the rapture in all the movies, it's like, whew, you know, just vanish like that, and all car wrecks and all that stuff. Anyway, that's not the message. <laughs> this gardener hears this lady out, Mary Magdalene, and then he says her name, Mary. And she says, Rabboni, which means teacher. She realizes who it is. And she runs back. This is one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture. She runs back to the disciples and with just one message. I have seen the Lord. She saw him on a cross. He died. She saw life leave his body. And then she turned around at the garden where um, he was supposed to be dead. And he's staring her in the eyeballs. Now, some of you listen to this story as if I'm, I'm uh, reading some type of fiction novel. But this is no fiction. There was a real cross and a real Jesus who paid a very real price for your soul. I have seen the Lord. The grave that was meant to hold death and darkness erupted with life and light. All that had been broken in the Garden of Eden, all that had been disrupted, all the perfection that, that was uh, completely obliterated was now cured by the risen Christ, that there was an answer to the brokenness. There was an answer to the corruption. There was an answer to being feeling alienated and condemned. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. There is no self-help book at Barnes and Nobles that will give you what Jesus Christ gives you. You can work on yourself all you want. And what you will continually find is that you make a terrible God. No one will disappoint you more than you will. Let me say that again. No one will disappoint you more than you will. Christ never disappoints. Let me explain to you what happened. If I go to Romans real quick, Romans chapter five, I'm gonna read this to you. Romans chapter five, starting in verse 12, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. You see that? It's a plague. Everybody's got it. 
Verse 13, in fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account even when, um, when there is no law. Nevertheless, less, death, resigned, uh, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is the type of the one coming. Continue listening. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the one man's trespass that many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to many? And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came judgment, resulting in condemnation. But many trespasses came the, um, from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. Since one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? A couple more verses. So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience many were made sinners... So also through one man's obedience, many were made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me just briefly explain what that means. Adam sinned. We just talk about that in the garden. Adam and Eve, they sinned, broke everything. Everyone is now a sinner. Jesus Christ, through one act of obedience, there was enough grace to cover everyone. Yeah, the cross was sufficient. Christ, the gift he gave was sufficient for you and I. The divine exchange that we celebrate today, this weekend, we celebrate this every, this is something Christians should do every year. We celebrate Christ coming back. And I said this to our team earlier, this is just as, this is, this news is just as good today as it was then. This is good news for you. Anybody need good news? Yeah. You won't find it anywhere else. You'll find it right here in the scriptures. Christ, th this is what we celebrate. Christ took our place and exchanged corruption for righteousness and fullness. He exchanged alienation and feeling separated from God with reconciliation and grace. He exchanged condemnation for freedom and joy. He turned it. He reversed it. He turned it all around for you. I think maybe sometimes we can get used to hearing that message, but I've never heard one story like it in all of the world. I've tried many things. 
I've tried many things. And some of you today, I think, have tried many things. What have you tried to try and feel less alienated or fix the brokenness in you? Not feel less judged. Let me tell you something. The scripture tells us that there's no condemnation in Christ. Did you know that? That's good news. He, he exchanged it. He reversed it. He turned everything around. As a matter of fact, there's a song. Um, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I remember a time, and maybe you should remember a time. Maybe today is that time. You, you see your need for something that you can't fix on your own. Isaiah 61. I want you to turn in your Bibles. Go ahead and take your Bibles, and this is, this is where I'm going to close. And, and this, this, is, this is where you're going to get to make a decision. You're going to get to make a decision today. For some of you, the Spirit is stirring you. You feel your heart churning, wanting to respond. Isaiah 61, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who mourn in Zion to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord and to glorify him. As I close, there's something you should see very, very clearly this morning. Sin has done great damage. So there needs to be a great work of redemption. What we celebrate in Christ dying on the cross and rising on the third day is that work of redemption for you. Because sin impoverishes people, it's good news to poor folks. Because sin breaks hearts, He comes to heal the brokenhearted. Because sin makes captives, Christ comes to proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors. Because sin oppresses, we proclaim the year of the Lord. Because sin is a, is a crime, we proclaim the day of vengeance. Because sin brings grief, Christ has come to comfort all those who mourn. And give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for heaviness.
Silence makes you uncomfortable, doesn't it? Y'all were all like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? I go over these sermons a couple times before I get in here because I try and get all my crying out before I get in here. And if you've been here long enough, you know, I have, I have a hard time getting towards the close because I think about the Lord. And I can remember this message I'm preaching today isn't just something I was taught in college. It's not just something I was raised to hear. I remember days where I needed things to change. Where the brokenness of this world was exhausting and the weight of it was too much to carry. And look, there's some of you today who walk out of here and try and beat everybody to Denny's or wherever you eat Easter lunch. I don't know that anyone eats at Denny's for Easter lunch. <laughs> you shouldn't. That's in, that's in 2 Carl 3.88. I watched... My mom, who's, she didn't know I was going to talk about her today, and I didn't either, but I can't share the story of what God has exchanged, with the, what he took on the cross for me. I can't explain it without telling you my story, and that I was raised in church. My parents kept us in church, even through the divorce. Even through my mom walking through divorce with four young kids. And the church at the time that we were going to, they loved us the best we could, but they didn't know what to do with divorce. And so they just, I experienced alienation for the first time at 12 years old when no one in the church would make eye contact with us because they didn't know what to do with divorce. visitations with my dad and seeing the effects of sin but not knowing what it was growing up trying to live one way that the world would say okay I'm going to accept you here and then when I was at church feeling like I had to act differently to be accepted there it was brokenness. It was weighty. Looking for acceptance. Looking for something to fix that ache. Watching my friends run to alcohol and drugs. And seeing people just slaughter each other. Some of you have families like that. You just slaughter each other with our words. And we'll say it's because of them when really it's just the sin. 
We won't point at the issue. Went to a Christian college. I studied pastoral ministry. Got married. Sweet wife's at the back. And no one prepares you for being married in ministry. The expectations people have of you. That people expect you to just shift your family to the side. And if you don't do it, and some of you have been in these same situations where people expect just horrible things out of you to feel accepted. I have in the last week had three people walk away and just say it's not worth it anymore. Because as I cling to Christ, I can tell you people are not going to draw to that. No one prepares you for miscarriages. The brokenness. And some people would say, oh, you know, why, what kind of good God would allow these things? Let me tell you something. The heartache and the brokenness we see is not a result of God. It is a result of our brokenness. And when we see, I, I just sat with Miss Beck the other day and she's, she's laid in the bed and 87, 9, I don't know, she's 87. Lived a life of faithfulness before the Lord. And it never feels right when you're looking at someone and they're about to transition. It never feels right. It's not because it's, it's not. It's not how it's designed to be. No one prepares you for the brokenness that this world has or how to deal with your own brokenness. I can tell you today that what he bore on the cross for me him taking my place so that I could be fully known and fully loved at the same time it's transformative you've come here today and I don't know what your intentions are but I've spent all day praying weeks praying there are people that have prayed for you to be here. Did you know that? Your name, some of your names were written on cards and they said, hey, I want this person to be here. And God knew you were gonna be here today and I have just asked that the Lord through his spirit would declare to you come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy my burden is light there is an answer to the brokenness in this world and look I can tell you that if you choose Christ today you may go home to the same crappy situation you left <laughs> but you're going to have a different perspective you're going to have this strength you're going to have this spirit and living inside of you you're going to go from death to life 
because of what happened on the cross. And you're going to be able to say, you're going to cling to something much stronger than you. And it's going to carry you through all the times that didn't make any sense. And they're still coming. And there's going to be a day where Christ returns. There's still going to be a day that Christ returns. And I do not want you standing before him and say, if only. If only. If only I had responded when I felt the Spirit drawing me. 2 Corinthians says it just right. The reason we are able to reconcile to God is because he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He made a way for you. We're going to have a response time and then I'm going to let you take pictures in the foyer because y'all look great. But don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't leave here with any if onlys. I don't care if you've been coming to this church for 62 years, you've been raised in church, whatever. Don't leave here with an if only. I'm pleading with you. I'm laying it all out. I can't give you any more. All I can tell you is that I remember a time when I didn't know him, and then I remember when I knew him. I remember when he found me, and I remember when he revealed to me his plan and that it has changed my life forever. And that offer extends to you. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.